I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, everybody. It is a Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Metis, Haley Salvian with you uh, for the next hour or so. We're going to have a quite a bit of a focus on women's hockey in this uh, in this episode of the podcast. Mary Kay Messier from Bauer is going to drop by, chat about uh, some of the initiatives that uh, Bauer has in regards to women's hockey, trying to develop a professional league, talk about the women's worlds, which, of course, Haley was at. We're going to hit on that. Uh, a little bit of news to digest from the National Hockey League uh, re- regarding uh, Nick Suzuki, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Evan Rodriguez has a brand new home. So we'll get to a couple of those things. But Haley, uh, what's your body clock at right now? Mm-hmm. What, what what time does Haley's body clock say it is? Because you're back from the Women's Worlds overseas in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've only been back for what? Not even 48 hours. So yeah. you're a skew uh, here. You're, you're, you're off. Yeah. Here. Uh-huh. I'm a little uh I don't even know how to describe it. I got so I got back on Saturday. Um but the travel day was very very long. I think I left my hotel at like 9:30 a.m. to get to the airport. And then I didn't get like done my day until probably 7:30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, which would be what? I'm not good at math. You said like no 1 a.m. Yeah, so fi- it's Denmark a six-hour difference, right? Yeah. yeah. So wasn't great. Um, because my my parents watched um Bono, so I went to Niagara on the lake after the flight. So it was a long travel day. Spent most of the day Sunday just sitting watching football, which I would have done anyways. Yeah. Um, but it was nice. I so I don't know. I'm. I host, I've been guest hosting uh, on the radio station in Toronto, Sportsnet 590, which starts at 6. So you kind of add the jet lag with a 4.30 wake-up call for for morning radio, and I'm like, I don't know what day it is and what time it is. I've been awake for hours. 
it might be 6 p.m. in my body right now. I don't know. I think the the touch of jet lag was great for the morning show, though, because it didn't feel like four in the morning when I woke yeah, up. It was like, it was like so 10 it's a little bit later. Day. Not quite yeah. 10 because I'm like, it's Monday. I got back on Saturday. You know, it's it's okay. But it didn't feel like four. I fear for tomorrow, though. Yeah. And, you <laughs> but know what? Denmark was good. I was there for a while. Yeah. You were there for like, um, what, 10, 10 days? Mm, 20. Uh, 20 days? I did a little vacation in Copenhagen after. Oh. So I was in Herning for two weeks. Yeah. And then I did five days in Copenhagen. It's a little vacation. I had enough uh, Marriott points from the season to, um, I didn't have to pay for a hotel. So I just kind of stayed in Copenhagen and touristed around. Ate. Is that a word? Touristed? Touristed. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Touristed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. The The tournament was... I felt uh, like I had got hit by a bus for the first couple days from the from the jet lag and the travel, and then you start to recover from the jet lag, and then the tournament gets really busy. So then you're yeah. just exhausted. Uh, so the vacation was really nice. It was nice to just have a couple days to just hang out and not do a whole lot. Uh, check out a city in a country that I'd never been in before. It was nice to not, you know, finish the gold medal game and then hop on a really long flight right after. So it was cool. Yeah. I liked it. You know, and one of the reasons why I don't think you and I have done a podcast in the last couple of weeks, uh, or at least since you've announced or the athletic announced that you've got a brand new kind of role moving forward here. So uh-huh. you've left uh, the Calgary flames uh, beat job mm-hmm. and uh, moved over to kind of a more national role in which mm-hmm. you'll be, you'll still be writing about the, I want to stress this. You're still going to be writing about the NHL and yeah. some, probably some cool features um, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature. You're not going to be restricted to just covering one team, yeah. but the a, a good chunk of your focus is going to be on women's hockey. And I think what's important about this, if and correct me if I'm wrong here, are you the only person in North American media in a kind of a, we'll call it mainstream media, uh, working for a mainstream media entity that is dedicated f- a significant portion of their job to this beat women's women's hockey? I mean, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of good like women's hockey content creators out there for sure. And there's a lot of places where people have their full-time job and then they commit a significant part of their time to covering women's hockey. I don't know how many, you know, kind of national women's hockey writers are out there that are like being paid by a mainstream media company. I know it's the first... One at the athletic. I again, I know there's a lot of people who who commit a, a really significant amount of time to uh, women's hockey and, and coverage of women's hockey at the international and European and um, professional level with the with the PHF. So I don't really want to say that I'm the only one that has this kind of job, but it is I think unique in the sense that it's something that the athletic created. I think you look at somebody like Meg Linehan with, with the, our soccer coverage. And, and that's kind of the roadmap for the kind of commitment and coverage to women's hockey that The Athletic and, and The New York Times is, is looking at here. So it's, it's a significant investment. And 
It's all a blur. I don't. I, we already spoke with Mary Kay Messier. That's coming up. I think you promoted yeah. that already. And I don't know if I said this off air, if I said it on the show, but again, just the, the commitment by the athletic to send me to Denmark for two weeks for this kind of tournament, like that is not lost on the people who are at that tournament from the coaches yeah. to the directors of the team, the PR staffs, the players. You know, you're in the mix zone. Mary Philippe Poulin just won her third gold medal in the last calendar year. And she's like, thank you for coming. Thanks for being here. And she's saying it to, you know, myself and Donna Spencer and um, Christine Roger, who are the three, you know, North American media people at this tournament. There's three of us at a women's world championship um, who traveled from from Canada. And there there wasn't any American media there. So three yeah. people from, you know, North American mainstream media at the Women's World Hockey Championships. Like, can you imagine if only three people showed up for for a men's world championship? Yeah, or a Stanley Cup or a big, you know, major event. You know, it's a great – it's the best player in the world. She's yeah. in the mix zone. It's not a giant scrum. She talks to each of us individually because there's only three of us. So why not just do a mix zone where you talk to Radio Canada, you talk to the Canadian press, and you talk to the athletic – and then she thanks you all for for being there and then and goes to celebrate in the room. It's it's again coming from covering even the Toronto Marlies in the American League, working in junior hockey, um, covering the Sens, covering the Flames. It's just such a unique and different media atmosphere. To you know, I would go to practices and I went to the Team USA practice. I was the only one there. Like, what are we doing? There's nothing to do in Herning, Denmark. Then team skating before the gold medal game tomorrow. Like, where nobody's here. It was. It's just. It's a totally it's different world. So you're, uh, as you said, you're you're relocating. You're leaving Calgary behind. That's right. Uh, now you left Ottawa behind. Now I need to know from <laughs> a city standpoint, which one was tougher to say goodbye to, Ottawa or Calgary? Calgary. It was such. It's such a beautiful city. I loved living in Calgary. I was there for longer. Um, and the first year was tough because there was the pandemic. So I didn't really get to experience the city as much. But I loved that it was a big enough city that everything – you can get to everything you need. You know, you're not strapped. You know, there's enough to do, but it's not maybe as overwhelming and busy as somewhere like Toronto. Um, you're a 30-minute drive to the Rocky Mountains – if, if you had a good day or at Windsport, you could see the Rockies in the distance. It's just such a beautiful, wonderful place to live. Uh, I think living in Western Canada was something that I'd always wanted to experience, and I'm so glad that I got to do it. And that's not a knock against Ottawa. I just loved Calgary. I think it was exactly, I don't know, <laughs> my vibe. <laughs> like I, I loved it. It's, it's a great, it's a great city. Alberta was awesome in that sense. It's just so nice. The Rocky Mountains. I drove to BC uh, with my best friend once, and that was really cool. Um, driving through Alberta and going through like, Glacier National Park and, and British Columbia, and then going to Vancouver. It's just that that part of the country is is great. I I loved it. So we also want to tell our listeners that um, you know, with this change, you're getting a bigger platform on the Athletic Hockey Show. With your own show, you, you're punting. Basically, <laughs> you went to the management and said, "Look, it's part of my new deal. I'm done with Mendez. I'm done with this guy. We're done here." But this is super exciting because 
you're going to have an opportunity on uh, a weekly basis to kind of, you know, carve out your own niche on, uh, on, on the athletic hockey show and have, now we're going to be a five day a week offering, right? Like, cause you mm-hmm. know, for the most part we were Monday to Thursday and now we're Monday to Friday. Right. And that's you. And that's all you. Sometimes do. even more than, than just that. Cause we'll have the prospect guys. Yep. Popping yeah, in. Be doing their thin. Yep. Whenever Pronman decides he wants to work. <laughs> wow, Lazy Corey Pronman. Pronman. Lazy Corey Pronman. Um, yeah, I think it'll be cool. I think the so there's gonna be a change up to the lineup. There's gonna be more shows, some different hosts, some different things. I think have no fear, the Tuesday boys are back. Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly. Yeah. I think they're going to have They're not going still. anywhere. They're but, fine. You know, they're sticking around despite what the ratings would suggest. Uh, <laughs> you know what, though? Here's the thing. <laughs> uh, so the Monday show, I will continue to – so I also do Thursdays with uh, Down Goes Brown and Mondays. Uh, but the problem is – so I went back to look at my contract. My contract says the Monday show, I have to have the co-host as the beat writer of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. That's so what it, it says. So it was you that punted me. I punted you. Julian McKenzie, who's taken over the Flames beat. Uh, for you, uh, is now going to slide into the co-host chair on on Monday. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Julian's done a lot mm-hmm. of uh, podcasting with us um, on the Athletic Hockey Show. I mean, this guy's, I think he's got like five podcasts going at yeah. once. So he's uh, he's fantastic. But that's basically what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's literally going to uh, assume your life. He's taken over as the Flames beat reporter and mm-hmm. the co-host of the Monday Athletic Hockey Show. Yeah. So he's he's become you. Yeah. It's very sweet to yeah. have a fan. <laughs> yeah, and and so then on Fridays it's going to be uh, Sean Gentilly and, and myself. So that's going to be the Friday show, which will be nice because I think oftentimes on on Monday mornings we would have to look back and say, okay, what happened on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Because the last NHL focus show was on Thursday, so it'll kind of bridge that gap between. You know, yes, there'll be a Friday show with the prospect guys, but they're not necessarily talking about something that happened on on Thursday the, night or whatever. On the yeah, Thursday night, big, Friday morning. Fun. So that'll be kind of something that'll bridge the gap from Thursday to Monday is is Sean and myself on Fridays. So I think that'll be super fun. Uh, Sean Gentilly, one of our national writers. It, this really has nothing to do with me, and it has everything to do with, uh, you know, everyone just clamoring for more. Sean Gentilly on the Athletic Hockey yeah. Show. So he got his own show. Julian kicked me off. I thought it was good because I thought I was the only guy, the only person hosting two times a week on the Athletic Hockey Show. And mm-hmm. now here comes Gentilly. He yeah. Can, he can lay the same claim. So, Right. Are you go. offended by that? A little bit. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but- I don't know. I think the plan was actually for him to take – it was supposed to be Sean and I on Mondays and Fridays, and you were only supposed to have Thursdays. Oh, okay. So. Well, we could do that, like, for sure. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Yeah. You're Julian telling me there's less work? Show. You're yeah, down to exactly. one show. I'm pretty sure everyone just wants to hear me as much as possible. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, but I this is, is going to be great. And, and, Nobody and needs kinda... to hear me talk that often. It's – Everyone will be fine. Everyone will be fine. But it's uh, it's great because, you know, next week we're going to start as we get kind of ramp up to, to training camps. And that's when the stories really start to 
mm-hmm. uh, to go is next week. So there's it'll been be a, some stuff today, uh, but yeah, let me tell you. Fact, you know what? Why don't we why don't we start with that? I, I'm worried Ooh, that the Colorado way. the Avalanche just got themselves a steal. Evan Rodriguez, mm-hmm. who was very effective uh in a bottom six role, 19 goals for Pittsburgh last year. Yep. Um, signs a one-year, $2 million contract with the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche. And my, mm-hmm. my question is, was he like just a classic victim of the flat cap world? Because, you know, it's, it's all, often those sort of middle-class half, three million dollar players that there's no, no one can find room for them. This, right. is a, this is a great deal for him. And, like, and, well, a great opportunity, I should say, for him mm-hmm. and a great deal for the Avs. Like, yeah, for sure. I was, banging, I was banging the Evan Rodriguez to... Uh, Calgary drum like the entire offseason I think yeah. he's a impactful effective player at worst uh, he's probably a third line guy I think he showed flashes in Pittsburgh of his offensive upside he had a really weird season though because he went very very cold like it was a story of two seasons for Evan Rodriguez and I think the question for the abs is which version are you getting are you getting the beginning of the season, Evan Rodriguez, who was, you know, on a really torrid scoring pace, who looked like he'd unlocked that offensive ability? Or are you getting latter half of the season, Evan Rodriguez, whose scoring rate dropped off? Or are you getting something in the middle? Something yeah. that's maybe he scores 19 goals again next year, but it's a little bit more evenly spread instead of really hot and then pretty cold. I think he's a good player because even when he's not scoring, he's reliable in all three zones. Like he's just that guy that you can kind of put. On your third, he's probably on the Colorado Avalanche. If they're gonna try to make another run at this, if we believe that they're gonna be another, you know, cup contender once again, try to go back to back. On a contender, Evan Rodriguez is probably on your third line. Um, I don't have the Avs depth chart right in front of me, but that's probably where he slots in. Maybe he's on the second line. He's not gonna be out of his depth in that spot, but he's an impactful player. He's he's not gonna you know, make that big mistake that loses you the game. You know, he's reliable. He's he's good on the defensive side of the puck. Again, he showed that offensive upside. I, I'm a Evan Ro- I like Evan Rodriguez. I like players like that. I don't know if I would say that he's uh I wouldn't confidently and f- completely say that he's a cap casualty. Again, I do think that there may have been some of the well, I scored nineteen goals. I and I, I don't know this, but I, I would imagine a guy who scores almost 20 goals in a season is probably rating himself a little bit higher than general yeah. managers who are constrained by the cap, who could come back and just say, yeah, well, you did it in this period of time, and then look what happened with the rest. It's, almost, it's not like he's at arbitration, but it's almost like you kind of have to strike that middle ground of, yeah, it was a, basically a 20-goal score last season with, yeah, but look at the way you did it. And look at how much cap space we have. I think it's kind of a mix of both. But again, I think that's a it's a good deal. It might end up being really good value, depending on what he can do in that Avs lineup. I think Rodriguez is one of the ones I've kind of looked at in the similar vein of Zach Aston Reese, Evan Rodriguez, Sonny Milano, Tyler Mott, like yep. those kind of useful depth forwards that are versatile. Maybe they can swing different wings. Maybe they can play center. They're good in the PK. They have good five-on-five play driving numbers, good defensive guys, good useful pieces. But like you said, Ian, that you maybe don't have three or four million dollars to give them. You have 
one or two. Yep. Right? And that's why I was so annoyed when the Calgary Flames, I feel bad, but why did you sign Kevin Rooney to a two-year $1.3 million <laughs> contract? This is a guy who's never made more than $800,000 in the NHL. You know, you lost Johnny Gaudreau. You want to do something on free agency day. But can you imagine if the Flames had that $1.3 million open still? Maybe a lot of flexibility. You yeah. have more flexibility to get somebody like Zach Aston Reese, who signed a PTO with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe you have money to dangle in front of Evan Rodriguez, Tyler Maude, Sonny Milano. Very weird because there's some good, useful debt players out there, and we're seeing some of them go off the board because training camp starts in a week and some of them don't have contracts. But that was a weird one for me with the Flames. Like, why did you do that? Especially in hindsight, seeing these guys still on the market. Yeah, it's PTO. It's, it's good run. It's PTO season. PTO season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pumpkin. <laughs> PTO season coincides with pumpkin PSL spice. Season, PSL baby. meets PTO. Yeah. Um, uh, other piece of news that came out on Monday: the Montreal Canadiens have named Nick Suzuki as their new captain, Haley. And uh, yeah, Brendan how do we feel about that? Yeah, Brendan Gallagher and Joel Edmondson will serve as alternates. Suzuki is clearly the face of the franchise moving forward in that he's sure. got an eight-year deal. At a cap hit of it's seven point eight seven million, um, man. I mean, look, there's a lot of pressure on this young man just with that contract. But now, the burden of inheriting the C on your sweater of arguably the most iconic franchise in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do we feel? Like, is it uh, is it a lot? Too much pressure? Added pressure? Um, does it just kind of go in line with the contract? Like, I'm I'm curious how this plays out. Yeah, I, I am too, honestly, and I think it's always hard to know, especially, I mean, the Canadians have had such, I mean, just look at their their offseason, everything that they've done from having the draft and, uh, you know, is, is Carey Price going to play this year? It's not looking great. They get Sean Monaghan, Nick Suzuki, he's the captain. Like, I feel like you almost need to zoom out and kind of take inventory of of everything that's happened with the organization this summer because it feels like it's been a lot. Maybe we should have got Arpin on here to talk about it or Mark Antoine. Yeah. However, I I don't I don't have a problem with it being Nick Suzuki. Like I, I would need to hear somebody's elevator pitch or they would need to sell me on why he shouldn't be. I am sure that there's people who might have thought, you know, it should have been Brendan Gallagher. He's a heartbeat guy. He's been around longer. There won't be as much pressure on a guy like Brendan Gallagher to perform and be, you know, a good captain maybe in that sense. Like I could have seen Brendan Gallagher being the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but I think it makes sense. I think when you look at captains in the NHL now, so often they're going to young star players, guys with term on their deals too. Nick Suzuki isn't going anywhere for eight years, barring something completely unforeseen, right? Like, unless something goes terribly, terribly wrong and we're on the darkest timeline, Nick Suzuki's locked in. Um, and he's going to be a very major piece of of the core of the Montreal Canadiens for a long period of time. So I think it makes sense, especially when you look at, you know, some of the, you know, they're going to grow. He's going to grow a lot. The team, some of the younger pieces will grow with him too. I I, I don't know what to make of what the Canadians are going to look like this year, which is part of it, right? Like, is this a transitional yeah. year 
for Montreal. I know I saw Edmondson said, you know, we're going to compete. Um, is that something we see as realistic? No. Uh, you know, no. so it's this feels like a transitional year. Sean Monahan has one year left on this deal. You've got some of these older aging um, players. You've got young, big pieces like Nick Suzuki. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it because I don't think there should be a pressure on Nick Suzuki to come out this year and, and lead the Canadians to a Stanley Cup or something. It's him and Cole Caulfield growing together with some of the other young, important pieces on the Habs. Um, I don't know. I the, the thing I wonder on Gallagher is – you know, there's a lot How of people. How much term who, does he have left? Yeah, yet? sorry, there's and continue. Of, I'm no, gonna no, look this that is exactly. While you, talk. No, while you look this up, this is perfect. There's a lot of people who feel like you know, Brendan Gallagher played the game or plays the game with such a reckless abandon that mm-hmm. um, you know, at some point, the physicality will take a toll. And there's right. some people who think you know, Gallagher's production has started to decline. Would he potentially be a buyout candidate after this season? When oh yeah, he's five years left. He's got five years left. If you make somebody the captain, it almost makes them in a weird way buyout proof. You know what I mean? Or, or, or tougher to buy out, know. right? Mm. It makes it a little bit more complicated. I still think Brendan Gallagher's got a lot of tread left on the tire, but I, the guy mm-hmm. played the game in such a fierce way, goes to the yeah. blue paint without a thought. Um, at some point, it'll catch up with him. I wonder if that's part of the thinking that uh, 18 months from now, what if we feel like Brendan Gallagher – but his contract is no longer reflective of, of the mm-hmm. salary and or uh, of the production. Right. And, and, you know, right. does it make it awkward? Like, I wonder if that. I mean, he's one of the highest of the paid equation. players on the team. He's making right? what, six he's million as a cap hit, right? 6.5. Yeah. And he's got 7.9. So just under 8% of the cap, which is the second highest. And we're not looking at Carey Price here because he's on, on he's, the injured reserve and could yeah. potentially go on LTIR. But if you're looking at guys who are on the active roster, according to Cat Friendly, it's Nick Suzuki and Brendan Gallagher of the the highest cap hits and highest percent of the cap. Um, it's an it's interesting looking at this roster because yeah, like you've you've got some interesting young piece. I mean, Uri Slavkovsky is slotted in on on this on this roster on Cat Friendly. Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, obviously just got named the captain. Um, and then you've got that kind of middle ground of older slash young players like, you know, I, I, Kirby Doc, he is 21, um, Christian Dvorak. And then you've got some even older, I mean, Michael Matheson's like young-ish. He's 28. He's my age. He's very young then. Are you calling yourself youngish? Is that what you're doing? We're enjoying our 20s, Mike Matheson go. and I. Yeah. And then you've got some of those older players in their you know, 30s, 33, et cetera. It's, it's a really interesting roster <laughs> to look at. Um, and I honestly don't know if I see anybody who who I'm saying, like, that should have been the captain. Like, I have no problem with this going to Nick Suzuki at all. The only By one the for me would have been Gallagher. I'm sure there's yeah. people who love what he brings to the Canadians and loves the passion. I mean, he's – you look at someone like Brady Kachuk – you know, the yep. the heartbeat of a team drags him into battle, reckless abandon the way that he plays. Um, he's got some term on his deal, but Nick Suzuki's 23 years old. He's your, high, your highest paid skater. Makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm curious to see how the that younger, some of those younger pieces kind of all grow up together and what else the Canadians do. Um, 
to either insulate them or or take them to to the next level in the in the next couple of years. Very interesting team, the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, but the, like I I know that I think there. Here's my question on them: Do you think that they're they have enough talent on there that they won't be in the running with say Chicago or maybe Arizona in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes? Or do you think no? You know what? They are a mess. They will be in the they will be in the running for the the first overall pick. I don't know. I think it depends. Like like did they do enough this summer to get themselves out of the out of the bottom? Cuz a lot of these pieces are the same. I mean, you've got Mike Matheson who had a really good year in Pittsburgh last year. Um he's only 28. He's living his he's best very life. Very young. Yeah. Very young man, yeah. Mike Matheson. Yeah. Emily Matheson's husband. There you go. Exactly. Olympic gold medalist, yeah. formerly Emily Falzer. Just to keep it on brand here. But I don't know. I don't know if you think I think that they did enough to, the to problem get is, themselves in contention. I don't know if they're gonna be as bad as Chicago. That was Jake Allen. Fires. Jake it Allen will. and Caden Primo are your goaltender. Yeah. Are your two goaltenders. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think that that right there is Could going to be enough. Them. Yeah, it yeah, it's it's tricky. I just have a hard time thinking that teams are going to be as bad as Chicago, but we'll see. Yeah, no, Chicago it is a absolutely it's like a controlled uh nosedive. Like they they are control absolutely delete is what I thought you were about to say. Oh, control alt delete. No. <laughs> this is a complete like we are taking this right into the ground. Mhm. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. There's no, oh, are they? Whereas the Habs, there's a, just, there's just enough talent on the team. You're like, yeah, I ah, can kind of see like, how they basically maybe... were, how far is Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and like your Slavkowski and Brennan Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, but, gonna but take then there's them. like Josh Anderson and Mike yeah. Hoffman and like some Vinny guys that Dadnov. have been. Oh, I feel bad for to, that guy. Th- there's been some twenty. Not goal that he's scorers. in Montreal. I just. <laughs> Just randomly oh, feeling bad. Dad knows in Montreal. It's not what I meant. Yeah. Don't yell at me. Anyways, I, yeah. I'm super here. This is one where I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen until you see them on the ice. Because uh, Martin St. Louis looked like a good head coach yes, last year. What's yep. he going to do to build off of that uh, as a bench boss? And how are the, the players going to build and grow under him? Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I... You know what's also interesting? That you were optimistic about the Dallas Cowboys before week one started. Why did you feel good about that franchise? You know what? They've got so many problems on that dang roster, and they looked terrible even before Dak Prescott got hurt. I was having a good time. See, the problem was they played against- (laughs) It's the final show. I'm not letting you off. Yeah. See, they played against a quarterback- Who's the same age as me? So you're talking about you're right. the same age as Mike Matheson. I'm the mm-hmm. same age as Tom Brady. Right. That that gave me some optimism. Yeah. I thought maybe they could take the old guy down, but they couldn't. I don't know why people keep thinking that. How many times are we going to do the Tom Brady's toast thing, just to be know. violently humbled by Tom yeah. Brady? It's bad. You know I, what? The, they. I, I had this really interesting thought. And I didn't talk about it on the radio this morning because I was very tired. So I'm going to do it right now. It's the Athletic Hockey Show, but we're talking about the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. We can, we can all the turn this final... into a football podcast for five it's, minutes. You know what's really good? This is going to be like a natural plug. The Athletic Football Show is great. Yeah. I listened to it this morning on my way into the studio, and I was like, this is the best prep ever. 
because they, they do they, they do awesome. it late on Sunday night, right? Yeah, like, they do they, it they, after the games. Yeah. Instant analysis, so it, many stats. It's They're so really good. good. It was awesome. Um, but the thing about the Cowboys that I was thinking of, and I've had this thought process about um, hockey teams too. So maybe that's our segue back in sport. But is it is it Dak Prescott that's the problem? Or is it the fact that the Cowboys don't seem to be doing anything to help their franchise quarterback? Like, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they've got the best quarterback in football, right? We all yeah. agree that Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, right? There's I some Buffalo so. fans yelling at their podcast uh, device I think right everyone, now, yelling, Josh, Josh Allen's Allen. great, and I think everyone was so focused on Josh Allen's supremacy that we completely forgot that Patrick Mahomes is that guy, and then he threw five touchdown passes yeah. in week one, and everyone's just like, oh, Pat Mahomes. Wow. Anyways, they go out. They lose Tyreek Hill, and they go out and get Juju Smith-Schuster and other players. Yeah. Uh, the year before... They have issues um, protecting Pat Mahomes, so they go out and they beef up the offensive line. They have the best quarterback in football, and Kansas City is ensuring that they are doing everything that they can to set him up for success. Why are the Cowboys not doing anything? You mean Green Bay, right? Green Bay's not doing the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Didn't set him up for success. Let Devontae Adams walk, and now you saw it in week one. He doesn't have like a good – no wide receiver, no for wide receiver one. You got yeah, nothing. And right. he was yelling at everybody. He didn't look happy. <laughs> he didn't look good. And I think there's a lot of problems in Green Bay, but the Cowboys looked bad. I know. I know. You know what? I always say this. Being a Dallas you Cowboys. You have CD Lamb. That's your best skilled player. And I mean, yeah. Zeke's not the same. Zeke is, you got no. nothing. Terrible. No. Like CD Lamb is the best. He, I think it's almost yes. like I heard uh, David Hellman talk about this. He's with Fox now. He used to work for the Cowboys. Very good. Does good work. Do you follow him if you're a Cowboys guy? I don't follow him, no. You probably should. He's great. I know. I met him at a wedding this summer. Very nice. Um, he was like, it almost seems like they're setting Dak up to be the scapegoat because it's like, well, if things go wrong, it's Dak's fault because he can't. He's a $40 million guy. He should be able to get it done. Like, who's he throwing the football to? Yeah. He did look bad, though, so I don't know. That's been Cowboys Corner. Cowboys corner. Yeah, uh, you know what? Show. The being a Dallas Cowboys fan is the closest thing to being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. That to me, like you have this iconic franchise that either people love or hate, and every year there's all this bluster that this is the year, and and then it just they always lose, and it seems to be in heartbreaking fashion and comical fashion, and everyone loves to mock us as Dallas fans. I think everybody loves to mock Maple Leafs fans. It, right? Would you not agree the Dallas Cowboys are the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL? I think in the sense of the like, not again. <laughs> yeah. Why did this happen again? It's like the dude in the hot dog suit. Like, we're all trying to find out the guy who did yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, well, it was the front office for not addressing the stagnant offense for the Cowboys. And with the Leafs, it's like goaltending or depth cap management, whatever people decide. Yeah. I feel like everyone, I think different factions of the fan base have different things that they point to when it comes to the Leafs. Whereas the Cowboys, it's like, it's either Dak's fault or it's Jerry Jones. Yeah. I love how it was, it was Jerry Jones who gave the media the update that, by the way, Dak Prescott is out indefinitely. Yeah. Like, can you imagine any other professional sports team that the owner is the one coming down? 
Well, and he's the one that came out and was like, we're committed to Ezekiel Elliott. He's our guy. We believe in Zeke. Yeah. It's like, yeah, anytime the owner comes in and is that hands-on, it really works out well for the organization. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Haley. Uh, you know, you're just back from Denmark. Women's World Championships and a terrific job covering that. And we're going to uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of that here with, with Mary Kay Messier from, from Bauer. And, you know, uh, it's great to have Mary Kay on here on the pod because I think we, we do really want to take a moment here to figure out, like, how can we use our platform in mainstream media to help amplify uh, women's hockey and, you know, probably nobody better to help us start that conversation than, than Mary Kay Messier. So, First of all, thank you so much, uh, Mary Kay, for, for joining the Athletic Hockey Show here. Thank you so much for having me. Big fan of the show, obviously big fan of hockey, and and we are at Bauer huge fans of girls and women in hockey. Yeah, and, and listen, as you said, I'm going to peel back the curtain for our, our listeners. Before you, uh, we started recording, you you just took a moment to, to, to thank Haley for <laughs> everything she's done for, for women's hockey coverage. And I think it's important that, like, the Athletic – uh, Haley is now a full-time dedicated, I mean, she's going to write some national NHL stories, but big part of her focus is going to be uh, women's hockey, trying to cover the stories that we don't tell, which I would imagine, uh, you know, from your perspective, this is uh, this is a great uh, turn of events. Yeah, incredible commitment on your part. This is what it takes, really. We talk about how important exposure is and just the work that Haley's doing uh, to bring these things to the attention of, of hockey fans everywhere. And to help, you know, broaden the audience. So, uh, like I said, big fan of yours, Haley, and really love uh, your messaging and everything you're doing to drive equity in our sport. Oh, thank you. I mean, Ian, you didn't have to do that. Now I'm all embarrassed. No. <laughs> yeah, you no, deserve I, it. Yeah. I will say, um, you know, I've said this before. I, I was doing morning radio today um, over at, at Sportsnet. And one of the things that I said, you know, when I was asked what was it like in Denmark and what was the vibe there, it was so nice to go and see, um, just be there in person. And the reaction from players, it's always, um, I don't even know the right word, like humbling or I don't know. It's a different level of appreciation, um, Ian. Like when we walk into an NHL arena to cover a game, you're just going about your day job. Here we are. There's a bunch of media there, whatever. Uh, I was, I talked to Hillary Knight. <laughs> She's like, it is so good to see you. Oh my God, you're in Denmark. Like, thank you so much for being here. You know, Kendall Coyne Schofield congratulated me on my job. And it, they just, they understand the importance that media brings um, in a different way. Um, and it was just so nice to to be there and get the FaceTime and Team USA didn't win. Team Canada did. We're Canadians, Ian uh, and I. So it's uh, it was it was just so nice to be there and and see some of these athletes and and show the commitment that the athletic has to women's hockey because they see it um, and it's just so important. I don't even know a better way to describe it than you know some of the best players in the world being like, 
Oh my God, thanks so much for being here. You know, they're focused on trying to win a gold medal and they're just like happy to see a media person. It's like jarring after being in the NHL for, for so long. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how uh, when we think about the women at the highest level, like the world's best athletes, you know, they do really recognize the importance. And to your point, they are just so humble. They're also involved at every level. They are the game changers. They're driving equity in the sport, not just in the way they play the game, but in what they're committed to off the ice. Most of the women all have camps, clinics. They're all trying to introduce girls to the sport. Um, and as you you referenced, Hillary, like broke the record, amazing milestone, but also an incredible leader for equity. I mean, she drove the charge with USA Hockey for equal pay and equal um, equal uh, rights and resources, right? So uh, it's amazing how you could take a lot of these women at the very top of the game and talk about how much they are doing, not only uh, really for the women at the top, but more importantly for the next generation. That's really what it's all about for the women playing today. Yeah, I talked to uh, Taylor Heisey, one of the young stars on Team USA, and, and she told me, she's like, you almost catch yourself sometimes when you're around people like Hillary and Kendall, like you almost feel like, should I be thanking them more often? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, Hillary Knight is what, 33, 33 now. When and if there is a professional women's hockey league for, for the best players, for everyone to go play in, if the PWHPA gets what they want, Hillary Knight's going to reap the benefits of that, but not to the same extent that these young players are. And she's you know, taking time off and what was and could still be the prime of her career to to fight for something. And I think just speaks volumes to to what these athletes are doing, not really doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the next generation and, and for, for the betterment of the game. So a lot of really impressive people in, in women's hockey, for sure. Yeah. And, you, know, you know, and I think it's important too, like, as we talk about growing the women's game, you need media partners, but it's clear that there's a need for corporate partners to step up and and you know obviously i think what 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 bauer has done here and, and i think it's a great opportunity for us just to chat a little bit about um the, the program that was kind of launched in conjunction with the women's world yeah. uh championships that took place uh, earlier this month in denmark because you know bauer um i remember a couple of years ago i did the story about uh you know anthony Duclair had the customized skates and it was all about trying to uh, you know, just be a little bit more open-minded in a sport that has been mm-hmm. historically not very inclusive. It, it's it's refreshing to see uh, companies, iconic companies like Bowers step up and do this type of thing. But maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what uh, Bowers trying to achieve when it comes to, to women's hockey and girls hockey right now. Sure. Well, uh, one, you mentioned we were very instrumental and, and took a big part in the women's worlds. We think it's an incredible platform. It's also, to Haley's point, it's a global platform um, to launch our latest campaign, which is Girls Deserve Equal Ice. And it's really rooted in the vision to create a hockey community that's more equitable and inclusive. In this case, Girls Deserve Equal Ice, it's really symbolic and it represents the equity that needs across the sport. So girls need equal access to ice, training, facilities, they also need equal access to exposure, marketing, you know, uh, opportunities for a professional league and also career uh, opportunities. So as a leader, we feel an obligation to really drive this positive change in the sport, um, you know, not only for the girls and women, but for the betterment of the sport overall. So I'm, I'm curious, though, how this works, like... Um... Yeah. 
when you're talking about Bauer and, and I know that, uh, you know, Secret, for example, is another the yeah. deodorant company. They've been very um, prominent in terms of, um, mm-hmm. you know, putting money. Like when, when you're trying to convince your company that we need to invest in women's sports and professional, like, what does that look like? Like internally, like, how do you, how, like, how do you present a plan that I guess shows that, Hey, th- this is something that's underserved and it's sitting, it's a gold mine waiting to be monetized. Yeah. Um, like from a corporate perspective, what, like, w- what does that look like? Well, I think luckily we've had great support from our leadership um, and all the way up to our board uh, for quite some time. I mean, this isn't new to Bauer. We launched last year, we launched a new brand position, which was really rooted in, you know, first of all, an acknowledgement that the sport needs to change. We need to evolve the culture to make it more inclusive and diverse. So that was that was first a statement. But then how do you back that up? And it's really about making a commitment not, not only in terms of your messaging, but in what you're doing. So like, let's take, for example, at the elite level, we started a few years ago, really adding elite women to our athlete of rosters, um, our elite uh, athlete roster. And it started first with showcasing these women shoulder to shoulder beside their NHL peers and global campaigns. That's really important. That level of exposure, it's kind of evolved to campaigns that, really stand to um, question stereotypes to to really set them on their ear and also make important statements about what needs to happen to the game, which is really important in this Girls Deserve Equal Ice campaign. It's about how do we get together as a collective and drive meaningful change so we get more girls playing and we have more women across the sport, which drives unique perspectives uh, brings a different type of energy to the game. And hopefully the long plan is not only more kids playing, um, but more people falling in love with the game. So we don't just see support from girls and women anymore. It's dads, it's uncles, it's brothers. It's, you know, the entire hockey community, I think, is more ready for this and understand that it's critical. And when you get right down to it, girls represent growth in our sport today. So back to your original point, it isn't just the right thing to do. There's a real business case behind this that is sitting there waiting for someone to grab it. And that means making girls feel more welcome in the sport, providing more opportunity, and the most elite level, providing more exposure and the opportunity to play professional hockey. I think it's great. I mean, you know, just what you're saying about having the the women's elite players along with the men. I mean, you just scroll through the Bauer Hockey Instagram feed and, you know, one of the last things was, you know, a picture with Amanda Kessel, Hillary Knight, and Nick Suzuki um, with the Bauer Lululemon collaboration throughout the whole feed. I mean, there's another one for, for, the, um, for the new Nexus stick and it's Abby Rock and Kale McCarr and David Pasternak. You know, the, this isn't just Abby Rock's, uh, you know, her version of the advertisement. It's, you know, one of the best women's hockey players along with, with the men. And I think it's, it's such a simple thing. It might seem really simple, but it, it does seem like it's really important because they're, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, you know, it's social media and it's a social feed. But I think, you know, that's just, it's such a small, impactful thing. But just putting these women there. I think that's an excellent point. First and foremost, it was one of the things that our elite women athletes said to us, like we would like to be seen equal with our male counterparts. We would Mm -hmm. like to be in these big global campaigns. 
Bauer alone has access to over an audience of over a million. So it's, it's not insignificant in, in the hockey space, but as importantly, you know, we've received incredible support from our partners like the NHL, who also has a big audience that, you know, understands the importance of, of driving this content, which is really impactful and engages consumers in a way uh, that they love, love the sport. And so to your point, uh, we can't go and do these one-time initiatives. It's how do we change overall? How do we show better representation? Because that really matters. Girls need to see women in these global campaigns. And their stories are so impactful. They need to be told knowing that uh, we're trying to develop a future of you know the next generation of players and also ensure that we're increasing participation. Um, we launched a first ship program, which is really about you know, making the game easier access, making it more convenient, but most importantly, a focus on fun. We partnered with the NHL and the National Hockey League Players Association. And, you know, we just broke the 40% milestone for girls, which is two times the national average. And we really think because of the growth that girls represent, this should be a global goal that we should be working towards to get girls participation up to that 40 and keep keep driving that up into the 50%. Uh, and then, you know, these are the ways that we make the game more inclusive and more equitable. Mm-hmm. Some of the, some of the women that are, um, you know, forgive me, signed with Bauer that have partnerships yeah. with Bauer, you know, we're talking Abby Rock, Amanda Kessel, who had a great women's world championship, uh, Mary Philippe Poulin, who is in my opinion, the best player in the world and, and Hillary Knight, we can see uh, behind you, you have a Hillary Knight jersey. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote a story looking at, is she going to go down as one of the greatest of all time? I think she's already in that conversation at the very, very least. Um, but can you just speak to the impact of somebody like Hillary Knight and working with her and the platform that she has, because I think um, in many ways, Hillary is a public figure. She's again, one of the best players in the world and she's really taken on, um, you know, I was was speaking to Megan Duggan and she was saying like, when you think of team USA, you think of Hillary Knight and that's something that she did. She built a brand. Um, Mm -hmm. She does a lot on the ice. She does a lot off the ice. Um, She really under seems to understand, um, the importance of brand partnerships with yeah. brands like Bauer because of the visibility it will bring to the game. Sure, it's good for her, um, but it's more than just Hillary Knight signing a deal with Bauer. It's it's visibility for the game as a whole. She she's just a complete pro. I mean, there's no two ways about it. She's uh, she's more than just where you provide the content, and you know she's asking, "What can I do?" How can I be involved? She comes to us with ideas. Um, she's unbelievable on social media. As you said, she's developed a real following uh, and she really makes the difference. I think you also mentioned um, Marie Fleet who I would agree with you is uh, at this moment, you know, the world's greatest player on the women's side. Um, and she does it in a very different way, uh, you know, but the combination of the athletes that we have on all sides, and we also have uh, athletes in, in different international markets as well, is they really are willing to stand side by side. Like you think about the fierce rivalry between Canada and the U.S., right? And yet we had the best players on both sides at our at our shoot this summer. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you've seen some of those images, you know, of the U.S. players and the Canadian players standing shoulder to shoulder for 
girls deserve equal ice because that's where I think it's so incredible how selfless these players are, how they have put the mission of providing better opportunity of driving equity in the game ahead of even their own careers, really focusing on the next generation. So I, I think that these women have been required to do so much because the game on the women's side is so young compared to the men's. So it isn't just that they're world-class players. It's everything that they're doing to increase participation, to grow the game, to provide additional visibility and exposure off the ice. And I, I can't speak uh, more highly of the women that we work with and what they're prepared to do to make a difference. It's incredible, really. I love seeing uh, how heated the Canada-US rivalry can get and then seeing them, you know, come together at a PWHPA board meeting or um, as you said, you know, I saw some of the, I saw that um, I think Hillary posted like a TikTok and it was her and um, Abby and Amanda and Renata Fast and they're in their Canada-US gear and like they're about to go to the Women's World Championship to to compete yeah. for a gold medal and they're just hanging out and, and doing stuff together. It's It amazes me how how these players can hate each other so much. Yeah. And I don't even say that as hyperbole. Um, it's one of the heated, most heated rivalries I've ever seen in, in, in hockey, male or female, obviously. And the way that they come together off the yeah. ice is it's really, it's nothing I've ever, uh, nothing I've ever seen before. It's, it's really um, interesting well, and cool. Well, it's that mission that um, transcends the game, right? That, that bonds them together. And to your point, we have this, this footage of Hillary and MP in the locker room, uh, you know, when we're filming for girls deserve equal ice and the director's giving it, you know, uh, Hey MP, can you just pass the tape to Hillary? But of course she kind of passes it like she's going to elbow it right in, you know, and it <laughs> catches Hillary off guard and the two of them just totally break up, um, you know, laughing and it, it's just great to see that they can put it all on the line when they're out on the ice and then be so committed to driving this change that they can work together as partners. And for Bauer, we're just, um, we're happy to be able to provide that platform. Uh, we are super excited about driving change in the women's game. I mean, part of the campaign is really this, uh, you know, getting to a girl's hockey bill of rights. And it's really centered around this whole initiative that, you know, we need to do more at the youth level to make sure that girls are welcome into the game. And it really outlines changes that need to happen to really drive that equity. It's something as simple as safe locker rooms, which surprisingly don't always exist. It's, it's access to prime uh, ice times, which can be really difficult. And importantly, for girls that play on boys' teams for a number of reasons, uh, they need to be included in, in the environment where they're part of the pre-game or on-ice situation, that preparation that happens in the locker room. And as importantly, they're part of the post-game celebration. Today, that doesn't necessarily exist. And most of our elite athletes have talked about experiencing that same disconnect. Uh, the problem is, while they went on and you know, became these incredible world-class athletes, too many girls drop out. And that's why we really need to change that. So we're, we're asking people to sign a petition uh, for the Girls Hockey Bill of Rights, and we're up to 9,000 
signatures. So we're hoping people will go to uh, Bauer.com this week and help us get over that 10,000, uh, you know, signature mark. With that, we can go to the governing bodies, we can go to rink owners and operators and really advocate for the changes that need to happen at the grassroots level to, uh, you know, ensure a more welcoming environment for girls to play hockey. You know, you, you mentioned that, you know, you want these girls to grow up and you want them to be the next Hillary Knight or Marie-Philippe Poulin. But one of the issues is they only see them every, you know, four years really on the Olympic stage. And the, the, the Women's World Championships are certainly broadcast and televised, but not to the same extent. The question then becomes, how do you create a viable league so that somebody, a uh, six or seven-year-old girl uh, in the United States or Canada can grow up thinking, I can do this for a living year round. It's not that I can just do this every four years and I'm going to have to scrape to get by as an amateur athlete. I can do this as a professional athlete. And I'm, and I'm curious like what that might look like here in the next five or 10 years. Like, is it, is it viable for that to happen? I, I, I do wholeheartedly believe it is viable. And, um, and we have a lot of proof points to support that. Um, if you look at the Olympics, uh, where the women are actually marketed appropriately uh, and the games are are televised, to your point, uh, people come out in droves and there's extremely strong support. When you look at rivalry on ice, uh, the, the rinks are jammed, the arenas are jammed, um, great, great exposure, great visibility. And even last year, we made some great strides with the uh, PWHPA uh, you know, with in the U.S., uh, Madison Square Garden, the first time women had ever played at the Garden, Billie Jean King uh, involved, uh, televised. You know, we brought in the big networks on the Canadian side, um, the same Sportsnet jumped on board. Uh, and, you know, I think if you get the best women in the world together, it's an incredible product on the ice. And that's what a truly professional league will be able to provide is that level of compete, that level of performance uh, that is really engaging. So you have a platform, you have the best women in the world. And now to your point, you need brands to get on board and you need the networks to get on board. As a brand, I can tell you from a Bauer perspective, we see uh, not only, again, that this is the right thing to do, but it's financially the right thing to do. And the reason why I say that is more today than ever before, Consumers care about brands that uh, are aligned with their values. And people today care about equity. They care about inclusion. Um, and women really represent this opportunity in hockey, as well as some of the underrepresented communities. So we have seen incredible engagement from people all over the world in terms of what we're doing to change the game, to make it more diverse and inclusive. And I think that opportunity exists uh, for brands to get involved and really support the women's. And we've seen it in other sports. So we have we have some models to look to. You know, you're looking at soccer, you're looking at the WNBA. Uh, they're they're ahead of us. So we have work to do there. But I think brands understand the importance of it. They understand the the equity that can be derived. And I mean, the more you get to know these women, they are incredible ambassadors an incredible brand ambassador. So not just for the sport, but uh, incredible uh, people to work with in terms of representing your brand at the highest level. Well, uh, Mary Kay, we really appreciate you dropping by the Athletic Hockey Show, chatting about, uh, you know, women's worlds, 
potential for a women's professional full-time league, uh, Bauer's uh, kind of involvement in all of that. Appreciate you dropping by. Thanks for doing this. And uh, like I said, Haley is now full-time on this uh, beat, and I'm sure uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be crossing paths with her quite a bit uh, in, the, uh, in the months ahead. Absolutely. Thanks so much. You know, this is part of it. This is the exposure, getting into a show that's so mainstream in hockey and being able to talk about these issues that are so important um, and really how we can move forward. So I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to uh, more conversations in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much again. It was, it was great to have you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Yeah. Great stuff with Mary Kay Messier. I think they're doing some, some pretty cool stuff at Bauer. Bauer. Like I said, like during uh, the pandemic, they were the ones uh, really pushing customized skates for for players and trying to kind of trying to uh, bring a little bit more kind of I guess inclusivity and and uh, open mindedness to hockey. So always love uh, having Mary Kay on the show. Uh, this is it for us, Haley. This is the the goodbye, mm-hmm. the emotional goodbye. Because you and I, you know what? When we think about the athletic hockey show, like you and I actually hosted, we 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 co piloted the first ever episode mm-hmm. of this show. Uh, back in what? That would have been January of 2021. So yeah. 18 months ago. Yeah. Sorry. Something's playing from my phone. It's fine. Yeah. I was just setting the mood. Yeah. We hosted the first show. And when it first launched, it was just you and I on Mondays and then you and McAndrew on Thursdays. Yeah. How we've grown. How we've grown. And then I went to management and said, I don't want to do another yeah. multiple choice Madness Monday. Yeah. Ever I'm again. Out. Ever. I'm done. Yeah. So you better not ask me anything. No, see, I won't even. No. I, I, I kind of did ask you one earlier about <laughs> uh, what was tougher to leave, Calgary or Ottawa. And you said, just to paraphrase, you said Ottawa was hot garbage <laughs> and uh, Calgary was amazing. So You know what? I still think fondly. When I, you know, when I was in Calgary, I often thought about the farm boy, the train yards. Yeah. You, My you, favorite grocery store. There you go. I think of their hot table often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the memories. That's 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 great. You know, you oh, lived memories. here for a year and a bit. You covered this team. Two years. Two years. Two years. And the, the, the most fond memory you have is of a hot buffet. I didn't have any friends. Store. What else am I supposed to think about? Well, we tried to be your friend here, and you were like, no, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm good. So you know what? Take your no little thanks. Friday show and move along. So thanks. Uh, that starts next later. week, though, right? Correct? I think so. <laughs> so we still got another <laughs> I hope so. Days. I'm not podcasting again on Friday. Yeah. So you, you got a few days to Two go. Two shows? I. Yeah. Not for me. That's no. for you and. And Gentilly. Until two days, yeah. But uh, listen, we'll 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 leave it there. But maybe our paths will cross again in the podcast world. Maybe there'll be like some special crossover episode, or maybe somebody will be sick and they'll be like, "Ah, oh, we need someone to fill in," and they'll put us back together. Or maybe not. I can just see your face. You're like, "Yeah, no, no, I'm good. I'm good." Don't it. Eight, Eighteen <laughs> months of working with Ian was enough. That's not happening. Yeah, it's written in my contract. There we go. Anyways, talk to you Anywho. later. Yeah, there we go. So you talk. I hope the, the <laughs> listeners got the, the the true sense of the chemistry there. But yeah. uh, oh, look, I'm looking forward to listening to your uh, your Friday show when it launches. Thank you. Uh, next I week. always wondered 
if people think I'm just really mean or if they catch on to the deadpan sense of humor. That is kind of. I think it's 50-50. I think 50% of people get you and the other 50% are like, man, she's cold. She's kind of mean. Cold and detached. Saad, our Dallas Stars writer, Saad Youssef, he told me that before he met me, uh, he was kind of afraid of me. And he's like, do you watch Parks and Rec? I was just like, yes. You're April? Yeah. Yeah, 100% you are April. Before I like knew you that you're like, nice and very helpful like i can be a warm person but he's like you are aubrey plaza yeah in parks and recreation 100 like thank you so much that rocks because she is very funny and kind of mean yeah you are yeah yeah gentilly is andy dwyer for sure by the way <laughs> We're just gonna do. We're just gonna name everybody. Do you know? We should start doing that. What? Who are you? 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 By the way, you can't call me Tom. You can't call me Tom Haverford. By the way, that's that's not gonna fly. Uh, Yeah, who would be Ron Swanson? I I, no. I I don't think we have anybody that. No, nobody in this. Craig. Maybe Custance with his Custance with his voice. Maybe (laughs) like if you didn't see him. Yeah. Be like this guy has a deep voice. That's funny. I feel like somebody needs to like. Do you remember when somebody asked about like who would win in a athletic anchorman style brawl? Yeah. We need somebody to tell us who every host fill out the rest of the parks and in, rec roster. In parks and rec, I'd li- I think I might be Leslie Nope. I-, I could take that. <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Is there somebody with seven podcasts to be Julian? Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I think um, you calling Sean Andy is really funny because my core memory of Andy in that show is like the first episode when he just keeps falling in that hole. Always in the pit. Yeah. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let us know who you think everybody is. Yes, there we go. And I promise I'm not mean. Just to Ian. Just, yeah. Man, I wish I, I had uh, tapped into this April thing earlier that we could have we could have played that up. If only yes. we had figured this out 18 months ago. All right. If only you knew me, Ian. If only I knew you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While well, you lived here for two years. Anyway, uh, we'll leave it there. Mm-hmm. This was a lot of fun. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure we're going to end up doing some stuff together. Maybe we'll collab on some written pieces, too. That would Some sun stuff. Some sun stuff. I'd love to offload some Senator stuff to you. Uh, absolutely I miss my sons fans they are very fun oh this is see this is great we'll we'll collab on some stuff Uh, and again uh, Haley's uh, uh, new Friday kind of uh, edition of the athletic hockey show that's going to start next week so kind of whatever 12 days from now um, you'll you'll hear that Uh, thanks for uh, listening to this Monday edition of the athletic hockey show follow us on your favorite podcast platform (laughs) leave us a rating and review and a list of uh, the uh, Parks and Rec's characters we might represent, too. We would appreciate yes. that. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Bonus content from the entire network available to you there. You'll have a 30-day free trial. It's just uh, 99 cents a month after that. And right now, great deal with The Athletic. A dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. 